What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the MMA meeting, and I hope you guys are having an amazing day. I know the world's pretty crazy right now, but hopefully you can find some joy in the great weather we're having and everybody home pretty much still. You know, the pandemic's still going on. Now, first thing I want to talk about, I've opened up a couple things for you guys. I've updated my Patreon. So I've had a Patreon for a while. I've only had it up for people who wanted to like donate a dollar or something like that. Any support is appreciated greatly, but I've updated it. And what I've done is on my Patreon, I am now uploading videos, my older videos. Maybe some of you guys have watched them, but the vintage breakdowns, previous videos I've made in the past, they are going to be uploaded to that site and you guys are going to be able to watch all of it. I think it's like $5 at least a month. I'm going to upload a video every single week. And if you like, let's say you become a patron later, you get all the previous videos. But if you want to go through it live, you know, like week by week, every week, I'm going to upload one more video from now on. So things like how to beat a fighter, John Jones, you know, a lot of people missed that one. That's going to be up there. The breakdown of Stipe's right hand, you know, stuff like that. They're all going to be eventually up on Patreon every week. And if you guys don't want to go on Patreon, because I understand sometimes signing up for it, it's kind of annoying. You guys are already on YouTube. So I also have this membership thing going on. If you guys notice now, there's something called join that's next to the subscribe button. What that is, is it's a membership. It's pretty much access the same thing as being a patron, but you don't have to like sign up for anything. And everything is the same thing. Every week, you guys get to watch members-only videos, just like there is on Patreon, but you're going to be able to watch them just on YouTube. So if you guys want to support further on, and if you guys want to be able to watch those videos, that's the opportunity to be able to watch those. So I wanted to announce that first, and there's also some things that might come up in the future. More perks, maybe other stuff that you can use if I start doing live chat. So all of those are greatly appreciated. And if not, again, man, I just appreciate any support, to be honest. It's just another method. Some things in MMA have been very interesting. So the first thing to talk about is who gets a title shot against Kamara Usman. So the last UFC card, we saw Gilbert Burns defeat Tyron Woodley in a pretty dominant fashion. I mean, there was really no quarrels or no difficult on Gilbert Burns' part. Just tore down Woodley in every aspect of the fight. And that's something only Kamara Usman can say, really, in recent years. I know Rory McDonald did a very, a very similar thing, but... Tyron Woodley is 0-10 when it comes to winning rounds in his last two fights. So now the big debate is who gets the title shot. Is it Gilbert Burns? Is it Leon Edwards? Or is it Jorge Masvidal? There are a couple different arguments, different ways you can view this. So star power, of course, is going to go to Masvidal. He is the biggest draw. He's the best for business. And it might be the fight that Dana White really wants, even if someone like Burns or Edwards deserves it more through a meritocracy. They've done more in their streak, defeated better fighters, all that stuff. They're still going to go with Masvidal because he draws the most. But then when you look at the merit and you look at what they have done, how can you not go with Gilbert Burns? I mean, to be honest, in my opinion, it's not even a debate when you go to who deserves it more on merit. The guy's on a six-fight win streak, only two less than Leon Edwards. He just fought two times in the last, like, three and a half months. And he has defeated better fighters than Edwards and Jorge Masvidal, right? Defeating Tyron Woodley and Damian Maia is far beyond anything Masvidal has defeated at welterweight, as well as Leon Edwards. The best guy Leon Edwards defeated was RDA. And everybody else is kind of like, you know, not the highest notable win. Next guy would probably be like Gunnar Nelson, but Gilbert Burns also defeated Gunnar Nelson. You know what I'm saying? And as for Masvidal, the big notable names under his resume at welterweight would be Darren Till and maybe Nate Diaz. Some people say, where's Askren? in that list. Askren didn't perform that well in the UFC. I mean, every single fight he had, he either lost or was controversial. 
and he never was dominant in any of them, you know? People look back to his biggest wins being like 10 years ago, you know what I'm saying? So I can say Ben Askren is at this level, you know? It's the same reason a lot of people wouldn't put Will Brooks under someone's notable wins, you know what I'm saying? It's the same kind of thing. Didn't perform well in the UFC, dominated Bellator, but he dominated Bellator a lot more recent than Ben Askren did. So I wouldn't put Ben Askren, to be honest. Nate Diaz and Darren Till are the biggest names that Corey Masdal has beaten, and those names do not stack up anywhere near to Damian Maya and Tyron Woodley. In fact, Damian Maya defeated Jorge Maslow in a very close fight. And that wasn't too long ago either. So when you look at who they have beaten and pretty much who deserves it on merit, you have to go to Gilbert Burns. I don't think it's a debate. I don't think you can really argue that well against it. You could say Edwards has an eight-win streak. Yeah, but who has he beaten outside of RDA? And RDA doesn't stack up to Woodley and Damian Maya. And there's another fact that Leon Edwards' last fight was over a year ago or something like that. And nobody even knows what's going on with Masvidal. Like, is Masvidal not taking the fight? Or is it Usman who's not taking the fight due to the pay, which is the most likely reason as to why this fight is not going on? But if this keeps happening, they're going to have to move on to Gilbert Burns, 100%. I believe he deserves it over Leon Edwards with everything involved, to be honest, because neither of them are a draw. Edwards already lost to Usman a while ago. He hasn't beaten the same kind of opponents that Gilbert Burns has beaten, and he hasn't fought in a year, so it has to go to Gilbert Burns. But I will have to say, the rankings are correct besides at this point. I would have to put Woodley below Leon Edwards, right? Gilbert Burns is number one, and I think Woodley went down to number four, but he's still one ahead of Edwards, who's number five. He's on a two-loss streak, man, and he hasn't been fighting. Leon Edwards hasn't fought in a year, but that's not necessarily his fault because one, people don't want to fight him, and two, he's trapped in London. But even still, the guy's an eight-fight win streak. His last one was against RDA. That deserves a bit more than what Woodley's been doing and how his recent career has been running. And you guys hear about the talks with Conor McGregor versus Anderson Silva at, like, what is 176, 178 pounds? And Conor's like, let's do it at 185? I don't know what to make about it. I mean, it's something I would love to see, to be honest, because I love these sort of things where the smaller guy jumps multiple weight classes up. Because I think people's imagination on how a fight would go between a smaller guy and a bigger guy is a bit conflated. It's not exactly as they think it's going to be like. It's not like the bigger guy smashes and bashes him like he's the Hulk. A guy like Conor McGregor versus Anderson Silva, most people probably think Anderson might have a better shot at winning because he's so much bigger and he's still a capable striker even at his age? I don't think so, man. I think Conor beats him. I think Conor beats him at 185. Conor will probably weigh like 172 just to make the 185 pound uh, weight class limit. You know what I'm saying? And Anderson could weigh whatever he wants, 185 or under. He said 176, 178. So Anderson's pretty light. I mean, when he fought Daniel Cormier, he weighed like under 195 pounds. And that was walking weight. You know, he didn't even prepare at all for it. I actually think it would be very interesting to see The only thing I have against it is I want to see Conor actually fight contenders, not go to these different weight classes and then he gets a title shot because if he keeps winning, he's going to get a title shot. I think one more win, no matter where it's at, the UFC is going to reward him for that. So that fight, that next fight, if he's going to win, it has to be against a top ranked lightweight opponent, not middleweight, not welterweight. It should be a lightweight. And I honestly would like to see him fight Tony Ferguson. I don't know if that's going to be up in the next couple months, if Tony's ready or is he capable of doing that regarding the doctors. I know people say he should fight Justin Gaethje. That's not going to happen. Justin Gaethje's fighting Habib, and that's going to happen like September or something. And Justin Gaethje even said, he said he's going to look over Conor McGregor if he gets a fight with Habib, you know? Only logical point at 155, because I know also Nate doesn't want to fight at 155 really anymore. 
has to be against Tony Ferguson. Like, that's the fight. I think that's the fight that should happen. The winner of that gets a title shot. And there would be no argument against Conor if he goes and defeats Tony. Right? There'll be no argument that he gets a title shot. Nobody can really say anything at that point. But if he goes and defeats, like, Nate Diaz at 170, or he fights Anderson Silva at 185 and gets a title shot after that, people are still going to be pretty mad about it. Because even at that point, I still believe Tony deserves it more than Conor. The guy hasn't won at 155 since he defeated Eddie Alvarez, right? He's 1-1 one one at 155. Ooh, and speaking of title shots, Petra Jan is going to be fighting Jose Aldo for the vacant bantamweight title. Everybody knows that Henry Cejudo has vacated his belt, he's leaving the sport, he's retired, and Aldo versus Jan is going to be very, very interesting. It's going to be an amazing boxing fight. It depends, is Jose Aldo going to use light kicks against someone who doesn't necessarily check them too much? And how well would he shut down the wrestling of Jan and just force it a stand-up fight? I think it's going to be a boxing fight. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth, powerful leather flying and landing on each other. Patreon may be more polished in his boxing, and he definitely moves his head in different ways than Josie Aldo does. Aldo's a very pivoting kind of guy. He just moves one kind of way where Patreon, he will angle multiple times on your punches. Or just for him to land his own. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit more 4D chess in a way. Compared to Josie Aldo's a little bit more basic head movement. And that's what it's really going to come down to. As for how Josie Aldo's going to land his punches. Because Aldo's going to be fast. And I think he might be more powerful. But he doesn't put combinations like Petrion does. And he doesn't carry momentum into the later rounds like Petrion does. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be 5 rounds. Which is also probably going to favor Jan who doesn't gas out. I mean for those who don't know. Almost all of Petrion's knockouts happen in the third round. And you can tell just by watching his fights, momentum builds the longer Petrion is out there, right? It's almost like what Max Holloway is like. And we all know what Max Holloway did to Josie Aldo when that momentum carried too strong. Look at that first fight where they both prepared for each other. It wasn't like the second fight where Josie Aldo was on short notice. It was pretty rough for Holloway in the beginning. He lost the first two rounds, but you can see the first round was pretty bad. Second round, it started to pick up at the end for Holloway. Third round, he just avalanched on top of Aldo. Like, it was really bad. And Petrion has that same sort of thing going about him. First round, you know, it's pretty competitive usually. He's not finding his shots as much, but he's getting sharper as the fight carries on. And that's a real big factor going into this fight against Josie Aldo. We know Josie Aldo usually gasses out. He did pretty well for three rounds against Marlon Marais. So perhaps his cardio is better than it was at 145, but... I don't know, it's going to be tough for him to get past those 4th and 5th rounds and deliver the damage because Jan is not going to stop. Jan puts a lot of output and he puts a lot of combinations together. He's tough and he's powerful. Even if Josie Aldo has a very good first 2 rounds, it's not going to matter too much. You've got to keep that rolling on against a guy like Jan. You can't just have a good first couple rounds and expect to win the fight off of that because you did so much damage. Jan is very hard to hit clean and if you do, the guy eats it and just comes back at you. And we all know how Josie Aldo is. If he takes a punch, Josie Aldo loves to retaliate. He doesn't like to just take it, reset, and all that stuff. No, he comes back at you. And that could be a bit obvious and calculated for Petrion to take advantage of. The big thing, though, that a lot of people don't throw at Jan are body shots. And that's where Josie Aldo really has been developing that left hook. Left hook right to the liver. And I wonder how that's going to play out as well. My early prediction for the fight, I think Josie Aldo is going to win. I think his experience is enough. And I think he's powerful enough. And I think he's not going to go crazy for the first two rounds. And I think his cardio will hold up. That's the biggest thing going for Josie Aldo. If his cardio holds up, he's going to be a very hard guy to beat at 135. 
because nobody's taking him down and very few guys are going to be able to box with him. The only guys that might be able to box with him are going to be like Petrion and Marlon Marais. Very few guys are going to be able to do the same. Cody Garbrandt maybe, but I think Cody gets knocked out. I think he just gets caught into the brawl and it's very hard to brawl with Jose Aldo. Very hard for anybody. Look what happened to Chad Mendez. If Chad Mendez loses the brawling exchanges with Jose Aldo, Cody Garbrandt's not going to last. But then you have guys like Cody Sanhagen. Right. Cody Sandig is an amazing striker. All those boxing's gonna be lacking compared to Josie Aldo. His kick's gonna be pretty interesting, right? Nobody really throws that many kicks at Josie Aldo. Nobody really throws too many head kicks. And the last guy we see do that was Marlon Morais, and he rocked him. The first head kick that landed. Although that is Morais's switch lead high kick, which catches everybody. Still, Corey Sandig is a very tough puzzle to solve, and he's big and long and all that stuff. Very interesting, right? But I think if Josie Aldo can get past Petrion, it's going to be very few guys that can beat him. And that will establish himself in everybody's list as top five greatest of all time. If he goes and wins this belt, how can you not put him top five for everybody? I already do. I already put him top five. But a lot of people seem to forget what he has done. If he goes and does something historic like this, he might be the first guy to hold the belt at a higher weight class, go down and win that belt. I think the only other guy that did that was Randy Couture. Only other guy. Imagine the second fighter in history, unless I'm forgetting someone, Josie Aldo goes down to 135 for 145 and wins that belt, which is a more stacked division than the heavyweight division was, for instance, when Randy Couture won the belt, and even light heavyweight at that time. Because that was early Chuck Liddell and early Tito Ortiz. They weren't prime form, you know what I'm saying? We're talking about prime fighters in the bantamweight division and prime fighters in the featherweight division going and winning the belts under those tough, stacked weight classes. Come on, man, that's insane. I will say, though, I don't necessarily agree with the title shot for Jose Aldo. I think it should be Aljamain Sterling versus Petrion, to be honest. But, you know, they're just very keen on having Jose Aldo fight for a belt, no matter who it is. He might be the biggest name there. That might be why. And have you guys ever noticed about the featherweight division? So, you know, like, bantamweight and welterweight have amazing strikers, and welterweight has a lot of good wrestlers. Middleweight and lightweight are a great mix of all different kind of skill sets. Featherweight, by far, surpasses every single division when it comes to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Just think about how many great BJJ artists there are in this division. You got Crone Gracie. You got Ryan Hall, you got Brian Ortega, you got Herbert Burns, you got Zabith Magomed Sharipov, you got Korean Zombie, Bryce Mitchell, Dan Ige, Darren Elkins, Billy Quarantillo. Can you put Chase Hooper in there as well? He has pretty good jiu-jitsu as well. And those aren't just high-level guys. They would be elite in any division. How big you want to get them? They are some of the best grapplers in the UFC, and they're all in the featherweight division. And now this thing. You guys all see the video of John Jones? John Jones taking spray cams off those uh vandals, those thugs that are about to spray painting the whole place and might even go to worse like other places around the around America are doing right now. How scary is that? You're walking and John Jones comes up to you and says, Give me your spray can. Dude, if he asked for my keys to my car, I would not even hesitate to hand him gently. You know, I don't want to give him any reason. Here you go, sir. Thank you so much. And I know if Jones is getting my car, it's probably not gonna come back in one piece. So what he's doing is a very good thing. He's helping his community, helping his city pretty much. He's being like the Batman of the city, which is kind of crazy. You know, he kind of took a 180 from being the guy that's always getting pulled over or getting arrested or doing something really stupid that can harm or actually does harm other people to now, you know, being like a superhero out there and getting the respect of everybody. I mean, even before, didn't he chase down some robber and beat him up because he stole a lady's purse? He is capable of doing very good things. But when he's like left alone and substance is present, it seems like that's when he gets into trouble. It's usually with something in his system. When he's sober, he seems to be pretty fine and could do great things like he's doing out there right now. And something actually very important I want to cover, not so much with the protests and the riots, which I can make an entire podcast just on that, you know, with the infinite amount of 
bad takes I've heard other people, even in our MMA community, make. It makes you want to actually go on a rant about it. And give an immigrant's perspective on it who's felt the effects of escalation to military involvement and stuff. I'm going to focus on one thing here that is very, very important. And that is like the training of police regarding this terrible situation with the scumbag cop. No matter what the reason is, whether it be, you know, him power tripping, racist motive, lack of training, or even a mistake, no matter where on the spectrum it falls on, it's terrible. And what I will have to say after all of this is, training needs to be better. I even heard experts talk about that the knee on the neck is a maneuver that they use. They shouldn't even be doing that. I understand it's usually used to control the person up until they're handcuffed, but what are they taught if it's just like a one-on-one, no other cops involved sort of situation? Are they still only going to go for something like that? I believe cops should have martial arts training, and specifically Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, where they can handle themselves one-on-one, and they understand the body, they understand when someone is on the brink of passing out, and also, even if they're like this evil cop who goes and still, you know, commits murder with multiple cameras in his face and still goes and does it, there is absolutely no excuse for him doing it. You cannot even go through the excuse of lack of training or anything like that. And also, it makes cops better, usually. But that also has to be combined with probably better pay. Cops usually get paid like, what, thirty to like 65000 a year. If you up the pay, it encourages better people to go for the job. Because right now, it is a pretty low-paying job for how stressful and how hard it is. You probably get better applicants for it. Now you have more options to pick people who are better suited for the job and turn down the lowest of the bunch. But because there aren't so many good qualified people to try to be a cop, you only have the choice of picking the lowest of the bunch. Not saying all cops are lowest of the bunch. Of course, I believe most cops are good. System's kind of broken and the training and the pay is not up to par to get the best people for the job. And with that, you know, it needs to come some martial arts training, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And also a good thing that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu does is it cages aggression right? A lot of people go into martial arts because they're very aggressive people. They are frustrated with life. They're probably coming from a bad living or whatever it is, whether they go to boxing or wrestling or Muay Thai in Thailand. But almost every single person that goes through martial arts training come out of it a lot more humble with their frustrations answered. And if it's mandatory for cops to do that, I think it would only do good for them. I know right now in Michigan, they just passed, uh, I think they passed a law or something like that, that cops are going to train more in de-escalation techniques. I don't know what that entails, really. I don't really know if it's physical, if it's mental, because I also know that they're going through implicit bias training. I don't know how they're going to do that. How can you train an unconscious bias? But 100%, they should have to have mandatory striking training. More important than grappling training, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, to hold someone down effectively. They don't have to be the strongest guy. I mean, because there's a lot of cops out there. They are not the best physically. They're not in the best shape. But if they go through martial arts, they're going to get in better shape. And even if they're smaller than, let's say, someone that they're trying to arrest and they're being very aggressive and they're trying to resist arrest, they're going to have the technique to take that guy down and hold him down. And very importantly, what this will also do is it will minimize the use of weaponry on unarmed people, or at least it should. Because if a cop is not confident that he can physically take down this person and hold them down, what do they usually do? They pull out a taser, they pull out a baton, they pull out a gun, like they pull out something where if they did some training, they don't even need to use any weapon and they can confidently handle this guy to the ground. As long as they don't have weapons, which is uh, where it gets really tricky, right? And even if they put them in a choke, they understand when to let go of the choke and no one can really give an excuse for them if something goes wrong, you know? So that's really what I want to say about that. You know, everything else we have to agree, right? That cop was evil. The cops involved that didn't do anything. They're scummy as well. The protesters are great. Make the message. Try to change things. Rioters and looters and opportunists, agent provocateurs, Antifa, all those people are just causing chaos and 
painting the protesters and some of these communities as bad and giving them the blame and also provoking potential military involvement that the president's talking about, those people are terrible. And there needs to be some change in the system, I believe. I don't really know what that would be. Hopefully someone involved in politics can actually come up with something very beneficial for everybody involved. Now let's get to the questions here. First one by Jesse Griffin. True or false, John Jones retires with two or more losses, not counting his DQ. I'll say true. Given some of his next potential opponents, Dominic Reyes, Israel Adesanya, and Francis Agano, I believe all have a very good chance to beat him. Habib retires undefeated. I'll say true. That might be a hot take. Conor McGregor wins another championship. I'll say false. Adesanya gets more consecutive title defenses than Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman, I think, at three, right? I'll say true. I think Adesanya will be the second greatest middleweight of all time. Greatest middleweight of all time if you don't include PEDs. Someone becomes a three-weight division champ, doesn't have to be simultaneously, by the end of 2022. I say false. I think it's going to be a little bit later than that. I think Henry Cejudo had a very good shot at it. He's probably the only guy right now, I would say, can come back one fight, fight Volkanovski, and win that belt. He's the only guy I could be a little bit confident in doing that right now. Adesanya, I need to see how he competes at light heavyweight before I can say anything. But Adesanya might be the second guy I'm looking at. GSP fights again. I'll say false. Anderson Silva beats Weidman before he retires. I'll say true. I, I'm being a little bit optimistic. I'll say true on that one. Thanks, Weasel. You're the man. Thank you so much for the question. Then we go to... Oh, I cannot pronounce that. Ixion Nibieski Tak. Hey, Weasel. Who is the best wrestler striker in each division? Thanks. Hashtag Weasel Nation. That's right, man. So, uh, best wrestler will go down heavyweight to the lightest weight class. Heavyweight, I'll say Daniel Cormier. Light heavyweight, John Jones. Middleweight, Yoel Romero. Welterweight, Kamar Usman. Lightweight, Habib. Featherweight, maybe Mursad Bektik. Bantamweight, I'll say Frankie Edgar, because he's going down. And a flyweight, maybe Eskar Eskarov. Women's bantamweight, Sarah McMahon. Women's flyweight, maybe Roxanne Modafferi. And women's strawweight, Tatiana Suarez. Now, best striker. Heavyweight, Francis Ngannou. He's not the most technical, but he's the most effective. That's how I'm going to go. Most effective striker. Light heavyweight, I'm going to go Dominic Reyes. Middleweight, Israel Adesanya, 100%. Welterweight, oh, this is tough. There's a lot of good strikers in welterweight, man. There's Masvidal, there's Edwards, there's Thompson, there's Jeff Neal, Anthony Pettis. If you clue Conor McGregor in there. Ah, man, that's so tough. I want to say it's Wonderboy, but Wonderboy's been caught too much, right? Like He's been caught a little bit too much to say he's the best striker. He's the most technical striker, but sometimes he makes mistakes. And those mistakes are dire. So I'll say at this point, it's Jorge Masvidal. He's been the most effective. After him, I'll go with Edwards. And then after that, I'll go with Thompson. There's the argument, though, that Masvidal hasn't fought as good of... Well, he fought Darren Till. You know, he outstruck Darren Till, so... Without any wrestling threat. So I'll say Masvidal, but I can see how Edwards or Thompson gets exchangeable there. Lightweight, I will have to say it's Conor McGregor. Ooh, featherweight now. You got Chan Song Jung. You got Yair Rodriguez, you got Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky, Zabit, some really good strikers, man. Kelvin Cater, Shane Burgos on his way up in that. As of now, how can you not say it's Volkanovsky? You know, be able to outstrike Max Holloway for five rounds. I'll say Volkanovsky because of his results, but I personally think who's going to be regarded as the best striker, it might be Korean Zombie. Just give him a couple more fights, I think he's going to be at the top of that list. Bantamweight, I'm going to have to go with Josie Aldo. Really good strikers, Malt Morris is up there. Corey Sanhagen's up there, but I think Jose Aldo has the most effective striking out of all of them. Mullen Rice is probably second. Flyweight, Davis Figueiredo, 100%. Women's bantamweight, Mena Nunes. Women's flyweight, Valentina Shevchenko. And women's strawweight, you got Zhang Wei Li, you got Joanna, and you got Rose Namajunas. I'll go with Rose. I think Rose is the most effective striker. The ways that she has lost mostly 
besides the Carolina fight have been due to the grappling. But her and Zhang Wei Li, I think, are neck and neck with each other. And then we go to Speedy Craig. How would a fighter beat Ryan Hall? Who do you think is the best fighter in the featherweight division to beat him? Really love your videos, dude. Thank you so much, man. So how would a fighter beat Ryan Hall? You know how they're going to have to do it? It's going to be pretty boring. Gotta beat him on points. That's how it's gonna be. He's too hard to hit clean because he's always pulling guard. He's always on his back. He'll throw a kick and if he knows he's in danger, he just falls to his back because nobody's gonna chase him down. You can't beat him in that. Even if you're Crone Gracie, it's gonna be stalemated a lot. It's gonna be stalled a lot because it's gonna be really hard to get something above him. It's gonna be really hard because he's attacking your leg and that's what a lot of guys do not prepare for. Even a lot of high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu artists. So what's gonna have to be like is stuff to takedowns, be quicker on the feet with every strike. When he throws a kick, you gotta get in there quick, land something quick. Don't look for the big knockout blow. Just look to touch him with every shot. That's all it is. He moves on way, he's stepping with a hard jab really quick. That's it. Nothing to knock him out and just keep that going. Almost be like a sniper. Don't put combinations too much together because he's gonna eventually gonna pull guard or do something, you know, scrambly. Land quick strikes. That's all you gotta really do and make it a point fight. Know that you're gonna go to a decision and know your way of winning is winning on points every single round. Just beat him at every exchange because he throws a lot of kicks, not too many punches, and looks to pull guard. That's it. And the best fighter in the featherweight division to defeat him, in my opinion, I think Zabit has a very good style against Ryan Hall because Ryan Hall doesn't pressure you to gas you out. So he's going to play to Zabit's strengths and those kicks are never going to catch Zabit. I also think Max Holloway has a very good style against it too. Anybody with amazing takedown defense who have very quick long strikes and don't necessarily look to knock you out, those are the guys that are going to be able to beat Ryan Hall. And then we go to Aid Will. If you had to sing In and Out of Love You with one fighter, who would it be? And why would it be Gabby Garcia? Hey man, maybe I like them big. I bet you her cover would be better than the original though. Then we go to Ethiopian Phenomenon. What would be harder, trying to escape bottom position with Habib on top or escaping 50-50 guard with Ryan Hall? Oh, definitely Habib on top. Like anybody on top usually is harder to escape. 50-50 guard, it is how it sounds. It's 50-50, but Ryan Hall's really good at his half, in a sense, you know? It's a lot easier to stand up, easier to defend than someone being on mount or something on top of you, or Habib with half guard or something, or side control. That's incredibly hard to get out of. And then we go to Blaney Lena. Could Leon Edwards end like Tony with not getting a title shot anytime soon? He's on an eight-fight win streak, but the hype trains, Mazadal and Burns are now in front of him. Covington wants his rematch, and Connor is always there. And remember, Edwards and Connor share the same management, like Tony when he got screwed. I did not know that. That changes a lot of things. Edwards is never getting a title shot in his entire career. Wow, I did not know that he has to get out of that. If they screwed over Tony the way they did, Edwards, dude, you got to think something's over. I, I think he will. In all honesty, with no jokes, I think he will get a title shot. It's going to take a couple more wins. I think he's going to be on like a 10 or 11 win streak before he gets a title shot, like Holloway or something. They've got Davide Fanara. Who would win in these fights? Cejudo versus DJ3. I think Cejudo, he has more momentum. He's getting better with the striking. He's bigger now. I don't know if he'll fight at 125, so it depends what weight class as well. I still think he'll edge out a decision. It's going to be very hard to finish off DJ, but I do think this rubber match is going to be a little bit more dominant on Cejudo's side. Jacare versus Musasi. Jacare just has a bad style from Musasi. That pressure wrestling, higher level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu style with knockout power in every shot. It's hard for Musasi to fight up against. Look how he fought up against uh, Lovato Jr. Pretty much got pressured, taken down at will against a guy who doesn't have the best takedowns. But he had amazing jiu-jitsu skills to hold it on the ground. Jacare is just a higher level, man, with everything involved compared to Lovato Jr. Diaz versus McGregor 3. I think McGregor wins this one a little bit more soundly. Diaz taking a lot of damage. The shots will, of course, drop him again. And McGregor seems to have very good confidence. Very strong and developing in his game. I mean, he's trying out different things in training. So I'm going to go with McGregor. 
Jay Local's art. Jones moves to Bellator. Would Bellator gain significant fans? Only when Jones fights. I don't think it's going to be as much as when he fought in the UFC because the UFC name is a star in itself. Right? There's only be so many people are going to go to Bellator and watch Jones fight. It's still going to be massive. It'll be the biggest pay-per-view Bellator's ever put on. But I think it'll be like half. And that might even be generous, to be honest. Well, maybe like 400,000 pay-per-view buys, 300-something thousand. People forget, man, the UFC creates stars. Stars are usually not born anywhere else besides like Fedor and some guys in Pride. Not even Strikeforce. I mean, people say Nick Diaz, but Nick Diaz started in the UFC and he got kind of a name there. He got bigger in Strikeforce, but when he came to the UFC again, he got even bigger. Like, way bigger. They go to Marine Malenica. How do you see Woodley now? Where will he be in the division and how much longer will he fight? He's on the tail end of his career. His style has been figured out. He hasn't changed. He's been stagnant. He's trying the same old big pull counter of a right overhand. Threatened with the wrestling, some low kicks here and there. It's just not going to work these days. People are too high level now. He's waited too long. The division is passing him up just like other fighters in other divisions who have stayed for a long time. I think he might even lose his next fight. Depends who he's fighting. If he fights some of these younger guys, even like a Jeff Neal, Jeff Neal is going to put it on him. Like, there's going to be guys out there just going to put it on him. Santiago Pazanibio, he's going to put it on him. He's got to change things or step aside. That's just pretty much how the game goes. And I think he'll have like two more fights and call it quits. That's what I think. I think he's going to lose one, maybe win his last fight against like RDA or something like that, some older guy, and call it quits in like his hometown or something. But who knows if Dana's going to give him that opportunity. Then we go to Blaine Lyons. Geishi recently said on the Joe Rogan podcast that his dream scenario after beating Tony is to beat Habib for the real title, beat Connor, and avenge his loss to Dustin Poirier, then retire. He said it would be the best streak of all time. Do you agree? And can you think of any UFC run that was more impressive? Would that make him the lightweight GOAT? I agree. Not only would it make him the greatest lightweight of all time, but it would be the best streak in UFC history to defeat Tony Ferguson, Habib Nurmagomedov, Conor McGregor, and avenge a loss against Dustin Poirier. There has never been a run that strong ever before, and he's in the same generation as all these four other guys. That's not something you can say about John Jones when he fought Lyoto and Rashad and those guys. You know, it's a bit different, and these guys are greater than Quentin Jackson, Rashad, Lyoto. If you count that Murder's Row as the greatest run of all time, this not just surpasses it, I mean, it laps it a few times. We're talking about Tony Ferguson and Habib, the greatest lightweights of all time, and Habib regarded as one of the greatest fighters of all time with an unprecedented record that only Justin Gaethje was able to snap. Tony Ferguson, some of the best achievements in the sport. Conor McGregor, two-division champion, one of the best strikers to ever compete in the sport, most likely going to be a striking match as well, and adventures against Dustin Poirier, an amazing lightweight that would be notable on anybody's list. And avenging that loss too, it's crazy. Yeah, greatest streak, greatest lightweight of all time. And if he does that, he'll actually defend his belt twice, which will be the second most in lightweight history. Yeah, like there's no run more impressive. Right now, I will have to say, Sohudo has the most impressive run I've ever seen in the UFC. Defeating DJ, TJ Dillashaw, Marlon Moraes, and Dominic Cruz, and finishing three out of the four. That right now has the record. That's the record in my opinion. That's the best streak in UFC history. Gaethje's looking at something further. I'm super excited about this. And he looks motivated about it. Then we go to Conor McGlue. You're starting a new MMA promotion. And you're allowed to take 5 to 10 fighters from the UFC. Who are you taking? No champs. Conor, Mazdal, and Diaz. Oh, come on, man. 5 to 10 fighters to start an organization. Francis and Ganu. My man is going to wreck the heavyweight division. Him as champion wrecking everybody would be the biggest heavyweight draw the world has ever seen. Ever since like Mike Tyson or something. I'll get in Zabit for future stuff. Paulo Costa. Jeff Neal. Rose Namajunas probably. And Tony Ferguson. Well, okay, when you say no champs, do you mean current champs? Because that's not fair. There's too many guys. Well, that's my list.
Then we go to Justin Sweeney. Hey Weasel, do you think Tony should be in the GOAT discussion? I know he hasn't yet won an undisputed title, but he has probably one of the strongest lists of competition beaten I've ever seen. Lee, RDA, Cowboy, Pettis, Barboza, Venata, Thompson, and a 12-win streak. Most fighters that go on that win streak with that level of competition are champs with like 5 title defenses, I agree. Yet, he never seems to be mentioned when people bring up the greatest fighters of all time. What do you think of this and keep up the great work? Thank you so much man. So interesting question, and I agree, Tony should be up there with some of the greatest fighters of all time. I would not be mad if you put him in the top 10. I can agree with that. I mean, again, one of the strongest lists of competition ever. 12 win streak, one of the longest win streaks in UFC history. Some of the best finishes you've ever seen. Some of the best fights and one of the most skilled fighters you've ever seen as well. In the strongest weight class, again, the UFC has ever seen. The thing why people do not bring his name up is because he was never undisputed champ. That's it. Like, there's no other reason for it. And I can understand that because when you think about it, it's hard to say someone's the greatest when they never won the undisputed title. It's just weird to say that in any major organization, right? But he was an interim champ. Nobody goes in that kind of run and doesn't become a champion. Like it's because of bad luck, because of things involved, management probably, negotiations, like it's a lot of messiness going on of why he never fought for the undisputed title. There's other guys in that list of the greatest fighters of all time that don't hold up to his achievements, right? If people start throwing in names like Chuck Liddell, I don't know, man, Chuck Liddell doesn't compare in my opinion. Great competition. I do think Chuck Liddell could be regarded as like a top 20, top 15 greatest fighters of all time. Tony's competition is harder and what he did is better overall. He just didn't win an undisputed title. That's it. He also didn't lose the way Chuck Liddell did. And even if you bring up other names, Tito Ortiz does not stack up at all. His competition is actually much, much weaker, way below what Tony has fought. Even though he won an undisputed title and went on a pretty good streak for title defenses. You can't bring up Rich Franklin. Can you even bring up Dominic Cruz above him? Cruz has some specific names that he has beaten that are really good opponents that can even surpass anything Tony has beaten, but he has no longevity. He didn't beat that many good guys. He wasn't a finisher if you put that into account. And he got surpassed pretty quickly when you go, not by years, but fight by fight. You know what I'm saying? And he's regarded as probably the greatest bantamweight of all time. Yet Tony consistently beating better fighters, consistently had more finishes, and a longer win streak as well, defeating multiple former champions just like Dominic Cruz has. Randy Couture, I can see maybe putting above Tony Ferguson because of the fact that he kept going up and down divisions and also being the best there was, even though he lost a lot, which goes against him greatly. He did defeat a lot of really good guys, but the losses against him can actually even put Tony above him as well. So here are like the names I can put above Tony Ferguson for sure. Taking out PEDs because for my list, I like to take out PEDs for the video that I made about my goals that include the PED users. I only did that because Connor did it as well, right? But if it's my personal list where I like to take out PEDs, so you got Demetrius Johnson, of course, GSP, Fedor Emelianenko, Jose Aldo, DC, Stipe Miocic, Matthews. You can put Randy Couture. You can also put Fabrice over Doom, maybe. You put Habib, of course. Probably Max Holloway as well. You can probably put Dan Henderson, Henry Cejudo. And then from there, it just gets tough. I think Tony's right after that. Then we go to Michael Cienci. How do you think these fantasy matches would play out? DC vs. Prime Fedor. This is my number one. If I could put any fight together, I'd put these two together in a pride ring with five five-minute rounds. That'd be one of the best fights you'll ever see. I think DC would win though. It'd be so close. They're so similar. I just think Fedor doesn't use head movement too much and that will get him caught here and there by DC. But then again, Prime Fedor had a granite chin. Do not get mistaken, man, of what he's today. You know, he can't take a shot today. 
praying for Ador, had a chin on him. He got hit by guys that hit harder than DC and took them. But DC kind of gasses out. So the later rounds will go to Fedor. Grappling will go to Fedor. You know, if it stays on the ground too long, Fedor will start to take advantage of it. And he's more powerful and he's faster with his hands. But DC's better with head movement. He has better defense. And he's like impossible to take down a heavyweight. So I'll go DC, but I can see I, I can see the other way going on. I can see Fedor even submitting DC. Colby Covington versus Tony Ferguson. That'd be a tough fight. Colby's never fought anybody that fights off his back the way Tony does. And Colby has been submitted before. And Colby doesn't throw that many ground and pound strikes. I'll go Tony Ferguson. Better striker. Longer. More powerful. Just as fast. Better ground game. Gonna land elbows off his back. Go for submission. Never gonna gas out. He'll keep up with the pace that Colby brings. And at welterweight, Tony has knockout power. Like, real knockout power. So, for sure, Tony Ferguson. Kelvin Cater versus McGregor at featherweight. Ooh, that's a good fight. That's a fight for us, man. I think Cater can go up to lightweight and eventually fight McGregor. You know, that'd be interesting. McGregor has good cardio. He's powerful, faster, and he's way better with his movement. I'll go with McGregor. I don't think it'll be a knockout, though. I think it'll win by decision. I think McGregor with the left hand, he'll throw some kicks out there. Kelvin Cater is amazing at stepping away from the power hand of his opponent. And I think he's going to be able to do the same to Conor McGregor because they're very similar in reach and height. And Cater's really good at extending his lead arm forward, either throw jabs or just retreating backwards. And he tends to always keep his stance sideways when he's moving forward or back. And that lengthens the distance for his opponent to hit him. Due to that, and Conor McGregor's ability to step off on the outside, as well as using his right uppercut to reach in first, causes him to go forward really quickly. I think Conor's left hand is going to be able to catch him at the very end of the punch, where there's not a lot of power. Encountering Kelvin Cater is going to be pretty difficult as well, because again, Cater's really good at sticking at his distance, and he has well-timed punches. Something that... Connor really doesn't fight up against. Usually the guys that fight Connor McGregor are fighters who don't necessarily have good footwork or they rush in too much. Combined with Cater's boxing experience, it would be way more competitive than most people think. And to be honest, I think Connor's right hand is going to be a lot more effective than his left, crazy as it sounds. And it all depends if it's three rounds or five rounds. In a three round fight, I want to go with Connor McGregor. In a five round fight, I actually lean towards Kelvin Cater. He's not going to gas out. He has power for all five rounds. He has one-shot knockout power to hurt Connor. He has a better jab. And if Connor's starting to load up on that left hand, like mid-second, third round, he could potentially land just like the way Nate Diaz did in their first fight when, you know, Connor's going for the left uppercut, jab disrupts him, and he can land the right hand afterward because they are also in opposite stances. So the right hand of Kelvin Gator is going to be a very interesting part of that. Very fast, very sharp with that right hand of his. You're the man, Weasel. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for the question. Oh, I love doing this. Okay, Young J4964. Who are the champions by the end of 2021? I do this every year, or someone asks a question every year about this. Heavyweight, Francis Ngannou. Light heavyweight. Oh, hot take. Israel Adesanya. Do you know what I think is going to happen? I think Jones is going to come back. I think he's going to fight Adesanya, no belt, because Adesanya said he'll fight John Jones in 2021. He's a guy that dreams, and he goes by those dreams. He'll try to make the fight with Jones. It probably will happen. If, even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change my prediction of 2021. I think he defeats Jones, because I think Jones is going to take a long time off. He's not going to be the same guy. Adesanya's going to be better, fight a couple times by then, progress his skills, be able to defeat John Jones by a decision, very close fight. It'll motivate Jones to compete again. Off of that, he goes to fight Dominic Reyes, who is the champion. He's going to go and defeat Dominic Reyes in a striking match, become a two-division champion light heavyweight, and you guessed it, middleweight, I think he's the champion there as well. Welterweight. So end of 2021. There's going to be multiple champions, I think, by then. I think Usman is going to lose either this year or early next year. This is so tough because so many things can happen. I think there's going to be a lot of champions, and they're all going to lose. So how I see this going is Usman fights Masvidal this summer or in the fall. Usman defeats Masvidal. Usman fights Gilbert Burns 
early next year. Gilbert Burns defeats Usman, most likely. Burns fights like Edwards, Leon Edwards or something, takes a very quick turnaround for a fight, beats Edwards. Who would go and defeat him? I think Masvidal can defeat him, but to be honest, I'm going to have to probably see someone like Santiago Ponzinibbio because it's going to take a good striker with good takedown defense to defeat Gilbert Burns. So there is Ponzinibbio. Jeff Neal is another possible option for the champ of 2021. I don't think it's Masvidal because I think he's going to fight for the belt sooner than that, like this year or early next year. But he's going to lose, and I don't think he's going to pick up that momentum again. So I'll say it's either Ponzinibbio or Jeff Neal. Lightweight, I'm going to go with Habib Nurmagomedov. And I actually think he might retire a little bit after that. Featherweight, you know what? I think for the next year, Featherweight's going to be one of the most exciting divisions of how it's going to play out. Because we're finally going to see Zabit for five rounds. We're finally going to see Chan Song Jung fight for the belt again. We're finally going to see you know the rematch with Holloway and Volkanovski. We're going to probably see Kelvin Cater rise to the top of the ranks. Shane Burgos might get up there. You might see Ryan Hall get up there. Like, it's going to be a very interesting year and a half for the featherweight division. So, I will have to say, I think Volkanovski defeats Max Holloway. I'm going to do this really quick. Korean Zombie is going to fight Brian Ortega. He's going to defeat Brian Ortega. We're going to have Korean Zombie fight Volkanovski in the beginning of 2021. Korean Zombie defeats Volkanovski. Becomes the first South Korean champ in the UFC. He fights Zabit Magomesharipov. And I think he beats him. You know what? I'm going to go with Korean Zombie. I think Korean Zombie is the champ of 2021. Bantamweight. Ooh, this one's tough. This one's really tough. I'm going to say TJ Dillashaw. It's tough to say because I think TJ will probably beat Jose Aldo. But he's going to have a hard time against guys like Corey Sanhagen. I think Corey is going to fight for the belt before TJ fights for the belt. He's going to lose that. TJ is eventually going to get up there without fighting a guy like Corey Sanhagen. Fight Jose Aldo for the belt and beat him. So I'll say TJ Dillashaw. Flyweight isn't even a division at that point. I don't think anybody beats Davison Figueroa. I want to see him go up. Like, that would be interesting. You know, go up to bantamweight, make a name, you know. Woman's bantamweight, I think Nunes retires. So I don't even know at that point. Who will be the champ when Nunes retires? I'll say Jermaine Durandamy is the champ. And then she retires after. I think it's going to be a mess of a division. I actually think she's going to fight Valentina in 2021 for the vacant belt. And I think GDR defeats Shevchenko. Not knocks her out or anything, just outpoints her. Right? She has a lot of advantages over Shevchenko in striking. I mean, she pretty much outstruck Nunes. And I don't think Shevchenko is strong enough or technical enough to take it to the ground from the clinch. Because she doesn't shoot. So I'll go with GDR, even though Shevchenko has a very good shot at becoming the bantamweight champ. Flyweight, Shevchenko. She's going to rule forever until she decides not to. Strawweight. Now, this is the intri- this is the best division by far in the women's divisions. Zhongwei Li wants to fight Rose. That's who she's calling for. And if she's calling out Rose, Dana loves Zhongwei Li. Rose is a good name. A lot of people get behind her. We're going to probably see that next. That might be the next championship fight at Strawweight. Depends when Rose comes back and wants to compete again. That fight plays out. That'd be a tough fight. I don't even know who would win. Uh, let's say Zhang Wei Li wins. Say, I think she has a little bit better of a shot at defeating Rose Namajunas. If Rose wins, Tatiana Suarez is going to win the belt. If Zhang wins, no one else beats her. So if Zhang beats Rose, I think Zhang Wei Li might be the champ at the end of 2021. If Rose Namajunas wins, I think the champ might be Tatiana Suarez or someone defeats her in the middle of 2021. And that might be Zhang Wei Li. It could be... You know, might, they might even throw Yuana back up there. I'll say Zhang Wei Li is the most probable champ at the end of 2021, even if she loses the belt. And now let's go to the Twitter questions. Uh, really quick by at Dur underscore Dussel. Could Cejudo defeat Shaquille O'Neal in a fight? Yeah, no difficult. Then we go to at Rick Astley 36. What do you think contributed more? 
to Justin Gaethje's previous losses. Was Gaethje back then that much different than he is now? Or was it more due to the stylistic matchup game plans of his opponents? Example, Eddie Alvarez, you know, going to the body and stuff. Your content is unparalleled, by the way. Thank you so much, man. I've never heard anybody compliment someone with unparalleled. Thank you so much, I love it. It's a mixture. So we know for sure Justin Gaethje was different. He was more war hungry and he got into the fun of the fight a little bit too much. And he even said, man, if the crowd was involved in this fight with Tony Ferguson, he probably would have gotten caught more than once. Like he he probably would have lost. So he was different. He wasn't this methodical. Never fought the way he fought Tony Ferguson. Never in his entire career. But also, his opponents did game plan for him. Will they work against the Gaethje that fought Tony Ferguson? Not Eddie Alvarez. The way Eddie Alvarez fought, it would not have worked if Gaethje fought the way he fought Tony because he's a counter puncher. Moving away, very good movement. Eddie wouldn't be able to get to the body, get in that close without Gaethje countering him. He wouldn't be able to cross that no man's land without falling to some bullets. But Dustin Poirier... Poirier's a different animal because he was more of a counterpuncher against Justin Gaethje, but Dustin Poirier does very well on the offensive. He's very good delivering with his combinations as someone's moving away. I actually think the Dustin Poirier fight is going to be very difficult no matter how Gaethje fights him. Because even Dustin Poirier wasn't fighting like normal when he fought Gaethje. He had to fight a little bit more defensively and counterpunching everything. There were moments after he catches Gaethje by countering, he would then be able to get an opportunity to be a little bit more offensive with his combinations. You know, so will he get caught by the counter shots? I think it's a little bit too slick to fall under those shots that he caught Tony Ferguson with. So to be honest, I think Dustin Poirier defeats Gaethje, no matter how Gaethje fights him. Even if he goes for takedowns, you'll still probably lose. Then we'll go to at Kibi1044. Prime McGregor versus Habib today. Does he do better in the rematch? If you're John Kavanaugh, how do you manage his training camp? What in-fight adjustments do you make? God bless, and it's been awesome seeing your progression as a YouTuber analyst. Thank you so much, man. And you've had some of the best questions ever on this podcast. Just want to you know, let you know. Yes, he does much better in the rematch. And what would he do? Well, I've talked about, if you guys watched my prediction video of the fight, of why I picked Conor McGregor to defeat Habib, he didn't do what I what I thought what I said he should be doing. Or you know crazy? So I made the prediction video before the fight happened, right? John Kavanaugh came out after the fight and pretty much said what he wanted Connor to do and what he strayed away from is exactly like what I said in my prediction video. For the whole training camp, John Kavanaugh was preparing Conor McGregor to fight in that very same manner. Pressure, just like he did. Habib backs up in the first round. He always backs up. Pressure him. Don't throw things until you see Habib make some sudden move, right? Connor has to be a stalking, pressuring counterpuncher with good movement. You gotta be very quick to move in and out because Habib shoots in quick, right? But that is why you don't initiate your attacks before Habib makes a move. You wanna counter Habib. Pressure, don't be too close. Good distance, you're a longer striker, so you can keep a little bit further away. You'll be more so in your range than whatever be in Habib's. Paw out with things, try to mask some things, grab the lead hand, do all this sort of trickery get Habib to react heavily to some things and that's when he catches him with some stuff if Habib as we've seen in the past Habib will throw some wild punches when he's backed up and pressured if he starts throwing these wild punches just calmly like Conor McGregor usually does counter him precisely with the left hand as you back away in the counter punch if it doesn't drop Habib or hurt him Habib is naturally going to back up after he gets hit and they reset back into the same motion that the fight is playing out Habib is trying to find a way to angle away from this pressure he's getting uncomfortable he's getting countered he can't find the takedown because again his back is to the cage and even if Habib shoots him for the takedown Connor has to be very quick with the feet man and don't plant to throw a knee to deliver damage you gotta focus on getting away from the distance that Habib shoots at 
And also, when he backs away, do not back up in a straight line. That's what everybody does. Do not back up in a straight line because Habib shoots once, the opponent backs up in a straight line. He shoots again, and he's going one direction. It's very hard to shoot takedowns and angling at the same time without grabbing the opponent. You know what I'm saying? So Connor needs to back up and also take an angle toward the end of that movement. So it gets off that center line that Habib is constantly going to shoot takedowns on. And that resets the action and he can play it out again. Pretty much nothing different than what I said before in my pressure video. Then we go to at Hugh underscore 3Y. You said Usman does everything better than Habib in every department? I don't think I ever said that. If I did, I'm mistaken. In a fight at 170, keeping in mind Habib has fought at 170 before, how do you think that fight would play out? Man, that fight would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing. It would probably never happen. They're really good friends. I have said Usman has probably the best shot at beating Habib across 170 to 145. He's stronger in the clinch, he's stronger with the takedowns, he can keep up the pace, he's a better striker, he's longer as well, very powerful with his hands, he scrambles very well, and he has a very good takedown defense. He has a very good style to fight Habib. If it gets to the ground though, that's when Habib's gonna have the advantage. He's a lot more technical when it comes to the grappling, when it comes to the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu especially, when it comes to getting submissions, passing the guard, he's way better than Usman. For Usman, keep it in the clinch, keep it standing, keep it far away, as long as you're on your feet, Usman has the advantage. So... I think Usman would win, and he does even have a chance to stand up better than anybody else if he gets taken to the ground. I'll go with Usman. Then we go to at Johnny Machiavelli. Weasel, please name all upcoming title fights that you think should happen in every single weight class, besides the ones that are already made. Keep posting great videos and stay safe. Thank you so much, man. And you too. Heavyweight, it should be Stipe versus DC, although I feel very bad for Ngannou, because in any other situation, Ngannou will get a title shot. Do something special for Nganu and have Stipe fight DC as soon as possible. Light heavyweight, Jones vs. Reyes 2. Middleweight, Adesanya vs. Costa. Welterweight, this is the debate, man. Usman vs. Burns, that's what I think. Usman vs. Burns should be the fight that should happen. Have Mazadal fight Connor or whoever he has to fight and then he gets a title shot after that. Lightweight, Habib vs. Gaethje. Featherweight, ah oh, man, does Holloway deserve a rematch? He wasn't a dominant champion, you know? He had a couple title defenses, but does that warrant a rematch when you have a lot of guys that are right there for the title shot? I'd be much happier to have uh, Korean Zombie versus Volkanovski, but to be honest, I actually like Volkanovski fighting Holloway again because I also want to see Korean Zombie fight Ortega. So <laughs> yeah, let's have uh, Volkanovski versus Holloway again. And then those two meet up after. Bantamweight, it's Petrion versus Aljamain Sterling. That's the fight that has to happen. It's not happening, but that's the one that makes the most sense. Flyweight... Davidson Figueroa versus Brandon Moreno. Bring that on. I don't want to see a rematch with Benavidez. You're going to kill the guy. I don't know who would want that fight again. He got brutalized at the end there. And he didn't really have much success in the fight. He had a couple good shots here and there, but he was gradually losing that fight. And he was getting hurt as the fight was playing out. And he's not even a champion or anything, so I don't even understand. Like, And he, he caused the headbutt. It's his fault that the headbutt happened, too. Woman's bantamweight. Amanda Nunes versus Aspen Ladd. It's probably the fight to happen. Women's flyweight, Valentina Shevchenko versus Joanne Calderwood. And then women's strawweight, Zhang Li. I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch with Ioana, to be honest. It was so close. Because there's really nobody else that deserves the title shot. If I have to pick, I honestly like to see the Rose Namunas fight. But I also like to see Rose come back for another fight before she gets the title shot. So I wouldn't mind Zhang Li versus Ioana too. That was an amazing fight. I'd love to see that again. And that's the other podcast, guys. So amazing podcast. Thank you so much for the questions, and I apologize if I couldn't get to some of your questions. And I am going to be opening up my Discord. 
I'm going to announce it on my Twitter, and I'm going to make a post under the YouTube community tab, and you guys can join it. There's going to be a link to it. If you guys don't know what Discord is, it's pretty much just like a server where there's a bunch of chat rooms, in a way, you know, where a bunch of people can text. For an example, there's a room for when weigh-ins happen. You know, for an example, when weigh-ins happen, everybody go under there while it's going on live. You guys can all talk during that. And then there's a live chat room where we can all communicate live during the fights. I think it's easier than tweeting and stuff too. And I'll be there every single fight. It'll be really fun. And I might even open up debates on Discord. We can talk about things. You know, if you guys disagree, agree. I think it'll be really healthy. So I'm going to open that up. It's almost done. I just got a couple things I got to fine tune before I open it up. And like I said before in the beginning, if you guys want to be a moderator or if you guys want to be an admin, again, I'm only picking out specific people. You know, there can't be too many of them. If you become a member of my YouTube channel or if you're a patron, I'll look at those first if they want to do something like that. Very much looking forward to it. I hope you guys are too. And I'll see you guys in the next video.